Can we turn, please, to Luke chapter 8? There is a vast multitude of people awaiting the Lord Jesus Christ. Following on in that eighth chapter of Luke, the Lord has been asked to leave or driven away by the people of the Gadarenes. And what a contrast when he arrives in Galilee. He is gladly received there by the people. And the crowds had been waiting for him, as it tells us there in verse 40, for they were all waiting for him. The Lord Jesus Christ was popular in Galilee. Now among this crowd is a certain man. And his name is Jairus. Notice from earlier passage, when he went to Gadara, one person. And here, one person, Jairus. And Mark's uh, account of this incident tells us that they are near the sea. The Lord Jesus Christ has a concern for crowds. But praise the Lord, he has a concern also for individuals. We must remember that. Apply that principle to ourselves. We are individual men and women. And we're known individually to the Lord. He has time for us, as much time as we need, as we want. Jesus, sorry, Jairus comes up to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 41, and behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, and besought him that he would come into his house. And Jairus makes an appeal. And the Lord straight away sets off. There are a crowd of people there. But the Lord is going to go with one man to his particular home and his particular situation. And it's true today, isn't it? There's no lack of people around that need perhaps a word of encouragement, a word of help and a word of comfort today. A man named Jairus. Do you know the name actually means he will give light. And Jairus was quite a, had quite a responsible uh, ministry. He was responsible for conducting the divine service in the synagogue. He would decide who would pray and who would read the scriptures. He would invite people to preach and he would make sure that all was done 
in an orderly and decent manner. He was to be a man of high reputation. Yet, see how he here expresses reverential respect for the Lord Jesus Christ by his humble gesture. He fell down at Jesus' feet. Jairus has come for what was once a home of joy, which now has become a home of illness and sorrow. And he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ with an earnest entreaty. Come to my house. My daughter, 12 years old, is dying. And the Lord says, I will come. You notice there, even in the way that he speaks to the Lord, there's an attitude of worship as he brings his urgent petition to the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he is the ruler of the synagogue, he falls down at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And of course, Jairus is drawn to the Lord Jesus because or by the agony of his daughter's situation. But it shows he must have had some the confidence in the Lord. Though the Lord Jesus Christ would not have worried one bit about Jairus' position or standing in society. Any pride that Jairus may have had, he's now lost that. And sorrow drives him to the Lord. It's true, sorrow and need are great levelers. And the Lord Jesus Christ responds to Jairus' faith and request. But as he, he went, he went with him. He sets out for Jairus' home immediately. Isn't it true that the best and the only refuge for any troubled heart is the Lord Jesus Christ? Come unto me, all ye who labour and heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Anyone tonight troubled can go the Lord Jesus Christ with the trouble. Jairus has only one daughter and she was dying. Just goes to show, doesn't it, death is no respecter of age. It comes to young, it comes to old, and it comes to everyone in between. And something that we know not when it may or may not happen to ourselves. This man, Jairus, as I said, was a very influential man. Indeed, perhaps we could describe him as an honourable man. And yet sorrow keeps company with all. And they're going along. And now comes a very testing delay 
for this man Jairus. However, what he was going and what he did then go on to witness in this wonderful healing of the woman with the issue of blood gave him, Jairus that is, fresh evidence to believe that even his daughter could be restored to health. Now it tells us there that the crowds thronged the Lord. It was a great crowd. In actual fact, that word thronged actually means almost suffocated or strangled him. You can imagine how close they were to him. And it would have been a quite difficult for the Lord Jesus Christ to move forward. The people were almost crushing him. Some, no doubt, out of curiosity. Some, out of affection. And so enters another person in verse 43. A woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. This lady is suffering from a chronic hemorrhage. And it tells us there that she suffered this for 12 years. That's a long time, isn't it? 12 years. Interesting, isn't it? The lifespan of Jairus' daughter. What brought this on, this, stand, uh, this flow of blood? We do not know, and it doesn't matter. The fact is that it came and it was there. And, of course, she would be very weak because she would have this continual loss of blood. And it tells us there that um, she tried all sorts of uh, doctors, physicians, tried to get this cure and in doing so she had spent all her money and was no further better than when she started. In fact it is quite improbable that she was even far worse in um, Mark in chapter 5 we read in verse 26 and she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. She had lost her health. She had lost her wealth. And she had lost her standing in society. She was ceremonially unclean. And if you wanted to read more on that, Leviticus chapter 15 and verses 19 to 26. But sin is such a disease. This disease that she had cut her off from her religion, but it didn't cut her off from the Lord Jesus Christ. And sin does alienate us from God. But when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we come in repentance and faith, we know that our sin 
is dealt with. What does sin do? It gives us restlessness, doesn't it? It makes us worry and worry about the future. It gives us feelings of guilt. And it gives us pangs of conscience. It leads us into slavish habits. And it leaves us in a totally helpless situation. And you know, the sin problem, no amount of money can deal with it. No religious ceremony can deal with it. No external reformation can deal with it. Indeed, the more one tries, the worse it gets. The remedy, as for this woman, is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this woman is afraid to come out into the open. And so she approaches the Lord from behind. Tells us in verse 44, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. I imagine she just has this thought in her mind, he'll not notice if I'm behind him. He won't see me. He won't feel me touching his coat, touching his robe. It just seems a very simple opportunity. Go for it. And opportunities are given, aren't they? But they must be grasped. And this woman did just that. Any opportunity must be seized with the extremity of the need. She might have had to struggle a bit to get through the crowds, to get close to the Lord. And here you have the the wonderful coming together, the harmony of providence and grace. And she touches the hem of Christ's garment. As I say, she thought she could do this without the Lord noticing it. And she would have probably touched a, a, a tassel that would be hanging down from the cloak. Again, we can read of those in Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 to 41. But immediately her issue of blood stanched. She was immediately healed without a word being spoken. The power of a touch despite her ignorance and despite her despair. She believed that the merest touch of the Lord's cloak could hear, would cure her. Her imperfect faith was met with a very perfect cure. Faith rewarded and faith improved. Here, the first beginnings of faith and its effects. Who touched me? 
Who touched me? Says the Lord Jesus Christ. Literally it says, who is the person who touched me? Now, again, this is going to give this lady an opportunity to make a voluntary confession and not go away with a stolen blessing. The Lord Jesus will not leave his work with this lady unfinished. There is this searching test. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ knew that some special power of healing had gone out from him. Somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And then you see the response of the disciples. I suppose you could say it was a natural response in such a crowd. But doesn't Peter show a lack of insight and a bit of a lack of respect? When all denied, Peter and, and they that with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? There is certainly a difference between a touch and a press from the crowd. The difference between the crush of the crowd and a contact or touch in need. And the Lord Jesus Christ knew that this touch of this woman was no accident. Now we have to remember that this woman, because of her her condition of the blood flow was an outcast. She would not be allowed into any religious services. She wouldn't be allowed to touch people. She wouldn't be allowed to go to the temple. She would be, was a despised and solitary woman. But of course, after this wonderful healing, there may a public acknowledgement of it would help her and perhaps Jairus in his need. Remember, he stood by with all the concern he has about his daughter. But healing power has gone out from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not some magical omission but a fully conscious act. It doesn't mean there is less healing power from the Lord as he overflows with this power. But what was done in secret must now come out into the open. God will be glorified and the woman will be publicly declared as no longer unclean. This lady had privately received the Lord's healing and now the Lord draws her to a public confession and the Lord understood her circumstances. He wants to let all the people know that she has been healed so that she can be reinstated into society. The Lord's eyes are open to all the ways of men. 
We read in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You see, you cannot hide from the Lord. She comes to the Lord Jesus. Perhaps she'd started to try and edge herself away. But she must reveal herself. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him, and how she was healed <coughs> immediately. Not an easy thing to do, you know. All this crowd, the Lord Jesus Christ, looking at her, all the disciples and that, it's not an easy thing to do sometimes to confess Christ, is it? Especially to the unsaved. You see, all the people heard what had happened. But this lady had received such a special blessing. And what does he say to her daughter? Hey, that would reassure her. Daughter. He speaks to her like a father would speak to his child. And it was her faith that was the key element, not her touch or the Lord's clothes. Not the touch, but her faith that healed her. Yes, she had trust mingled with a little somewhat superstition, but surely the emphasis must be on faith and not superstition. You see, faith here that makes an act, even though there may be a superstitious element there. And what does he say to her? Be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. The gift of peace, so precious, so permanent and eternal. And what he's saying to her is this, go into peace. That's why I read Romans chapter 5, verse 1 at the beginning of the service. And the Lord is here praising her for her faith. It was the instrument whereby the Lord Jesus Christ used to cure her. And here she is. Be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole, Go in peace. Complete reinstatement to every aspect of society. But, but, next verse. Someone comes, a servant comes from the house of Jairus with a message. This servant would never ever get a prize for diplomacy. Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. It's hardly what you would find in many courses today, I'm sure. But now the girl is dead. There's absolutely no hope whatsoever. 
and it seems even more sorrow for Jairus. I wonder what was going through this man's mind concerning the delay in the Lord Jesus getting to his home. He must have been suffering such tense moments while the Lord dealt with this woman so recently healed. And now it would seem that all hope is destroyed. And yet we have come to another great opportunity for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, our disappointments can be his appointments. You see, post-mortem medicine is no good. Calling the doctor after death is no good whatsoever. But the Lord Jesus Christ will come in. He'll come in post-mortem and restore this young lady. And the Lord gives an assurance to, him, to Jairus there in verse 50. Fear not, believe only, and she will be made whole. He pays no attention, the Lord is, the Lord pays no attention to the servant's message. He tells Jairus, don't listen to him. Don't fear, trust me. Because Jairus is afraid. It's not easy to drive out fear, is it? The fear of illness. The fear of death. But the love of Christ can drive them out. You see, fear not. Fear forbidden by the Lord Jesus Christ will lead to comfort and sympathy. Fear not, Jairus. There's a need here for faith. Only believe. And here faith is encouraged when all seems hopeless. Jairus has seen what has happened to the woman with the issue of blood. And he has a need, like we do, to have confidence and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, not just acceptance of truth. Jesus makes a promise. Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And we need to apply the promises of God in our own lives, don't we? We need for complete trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this situation, as regards the lady, the Lord is in complete control. And so they arrive to the house. And the Lord only allows three disciples and the parents are allowed in the room. And, other, and there with authority, the Lord clears out all the rest out of the home. Just the parents and three of his disciples to witness what was going to take place. Notice how the Lord chooses his witness. They're named Peter, James, John and the mum and dad.
and faith in an act of love and power. There must have been, and there was, I'm sure, a scene of confusion when the Lord Jesus Christ arrived. There would be much noise and waiting, these professional uh, mourners who would be paid to come in and have a wail and a, a moan and a groan and everything else. And then there would have been lots of people around the house, the crowds that had come with Jesus, the crowds that had gathered, much noise, the crowds filled with curiosity and wonderful, the Lord has perfect knowledge. The world's opinion was death and no hope. He says here, weep not, she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. This girl was really was dead. These were professional mourners. They knew a dead body when they saw one. But the Lord Jesus Christ gives hope, certainty, and grace. No, he says, she's asleep. And there, of course, there is the contrast, isn't there? We have to remember that between physical and, spirit, and spiritual death. Bereaved Christians do not grieve as those without hope. Whereas there, the mourners there, they are full of sorrow and woe. A lot of it, some of it may have been genuine, but a lot of it was paid professionals. And Jesus dismisses them and gets them out of the way. These people had neither faith nor sympathy. And indeed, the Lord receives derisive laughter as they sought to humiliate him. And people will do that today, won't they? When we talk about our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, people will try to humiliate us. They're trying to put us down. You see, these people knew that this child was dead. But he gets rid of all these mourners and musicians and then follows a demonstration of the Lord's almighty power, a word of love and power. There is this touch of love. The Lord's regard for the child and he says, "Maid, arise. I'm told it also could be translated, and I have no um, knowledge of this. It's only what I read somewhere. It could also mean, my little pet, pet lamb. What a lovely description, isn't it? Do you know tonight, if we belong to the Lord, pet lambs. Everybody likes lambs, don't they? Well, until they get too big and then the poor things are carted off. But when they're born and everybody feels sorry for them and, and it's a great big thing, isn't it? And farms make a fortune for people coming in to look at lambs. And the words he speaks are words of authority. Arise. No long spill or set to. The dead girl heard his voice and obeyed his command. She rises from the dead to earthly life, but also, I believe, to spiritual life. Raised to life in a moment. The paleness of death changed to the rosy flesh of health. 
And what does she see? As she opens her eyes, she gazes directly into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. What love she must have seen. What compassion. What goodness. Then, once prostrate in death, she is now erect in the life given to her by Christ. And again, the Lord, we see an example of the kindness of the Lord. He's concerned for this child, her need for strength, and also gives her something for her parents to do. The girl must eat. He commanded, give her meat. This little girl needs to be fed. It would be easy to overlook this need with the joy of her resurrection. It's also proof of the reality and completeness of the miracle. A combination of power and compassion. And at the word of Jesus, death immediately surrenders its prey. And in Mark's account, it tells us that the girl started to walk about. Her soul reunited with her body. Of course, we know, do we not, that the soul is immortal. And there are two astonished parents. Their sorrow has been dispelled, and they, they are full of joy. That's a result of having the Lord Jesus Christ in their house. What a blessing it is to have the Lord Jesus Christ in our homes. Overseeing our homes and the people that are in there with us. The work to worship God in the peace of the home and trusting him for everything. The people are excited for the extraction goes out for silence concerning this miracle. What we are to remember at this time is that opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ is growing. <coughs> they are not to broadcast about the child coming to life, but they are to care for her and glorify God. And today, when someone is spiritually resuscitated, from those who are spiritually dead in sin and misery. What a blessing that is. We're told there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. And it's a reminder, is it not, the need for the gospel and the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. And what a blessing it is to be a Christian. When you look around tonight, I don't know, I didn't hear the news, but I'm sure it would have been gloomy, not on news. Lots of things to worry about, lots of things to be concerned about. What a blessing it is to know that the Lord's in control. Not just in control of my life and our lives, but the whole world. What's that old that old song was it? He got the whole world in his hands. Well, yes, he has. But he's also got me in his hands as well. And I know he's never going to let me go. He's never going to get any of us go. So may we be truly blessed, as indeed were the two people in this uh, part of the scriptures. Let's sing, shall we? Um
Our last hymn is number 370. Light up this house with glory, Lord. Enter and claim thine own. Receive the homage of our souls. Erect thy temple throne. Number 370. <laughs> 